podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. 150 years of Children's National Hospital. 150 years of groundbreaking research. Of exceptional healthcare for kids. Of helping families like mine and yours. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. Love your propane grill? Well, life just got a little easier with Propane Taxi. Stop lugging that tank. Propane Taxi is a propane grill tank home delivery service that's ridiculously easy and convenient. Just go online, choose a delivery date, and Propane Taxi delivers grill tanks straight to your door. You can exchange any brand of tank. And right now, new customers get their first tank exchange for $10 with promo code TANK10. That's $10 for your first tank exchange with promo code TANK10. Visit PropaneTaxi.com. No no contact, no commitment, no problem. Hey, I work so hard and what do I get? The little nugget make me start to pray. For the first time, for a long time, I feel miserable all over. Yeah. The first time, for a long time, I feel miserable all over. For the first time in a long time, we feel miserable all over. But it's not over yet. It's the day trippers. On tonight's show, we pick the bones out of the heartbreaking loss to Chelsea at Anfield as Liverpool singularly failed to play their football and break down Mourinho's long-throwing counter-attackers. The title is no longer in our hands, but it may end up yet at Anfield. One way or the other, before we go, to try and alleviate the gloom, we'll get stuck into your listeners' questions. Okay, let's have a look at Liverpool nil, Chelsea 2. After all the build-up and the bullish predictions and the tiresome mind games bullshit, Liverpool faced an excellent Chelsea team, packed with experience, that set up to draw the sting out of the team when they could, and it worked a treat, didn't it, Andy Young? Yeah. Um, <laughs> you caught me off guard there. Young had suggested to think about it. No, I was just going to think you were coming to me just like that. <laughs> that was very would you, soft. Would you like me to no, give you a minute, fella? Yeah, just start with someone else. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes, setting the tone. Dave Thomas had me out here, fella. Yeah, I mean, it worked the treat. They were they were excellent. I mean, yeah. and I think that's that's the first thing you have to say is that you know, in the last week, Chelsea have gone to the best team in Spain and the best team in England and and stopped both of them scoring. Mm. And you know, while we'll go on to talk about loads of things about the game, the first thing you have to do is is, is kind of take your hat off a little bit and say that Mourinho, you know, played it well. I don't, I don't think he's a tactical genius. I think it, you know, all the breaks went his way. I think he came. I said it on last week's pod. He came looking for a nil nil at half time, and I think if he'd gone in at nil nil half time, he still would have thought that was a great result. But as it goes. Um, you know, we give away a sloppy goal. You know, it's a mistake. There we go. And then, you know, the second half is completely different. I think it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if we'd come out nil nil second half, or even better if we got an early goal. What would he have done? And let's see, would he have been a tactical genius that he's being portrayed right now? But you know, as a starter, you've got to say Chelsea played really well. 
they're an excellent side they're in the semi-finals of the Champions League for a reason mm. they've got a very very good manager and you know even with what seven changes from the Atletico game they were they put out the more expensive side than we did and brought 18 million pounds worth of talent off the bench so yeah. all in all they played well they, their game went exactly how they wanted it to go yeah Andy will come back to you now at this stage <laughs> you've had some settling in time yeah yeah I know like I mean um, Dave's there right it's it just like basically it was never going to be about the personnel it was going to be about the system uh, so we had it spot on all week uh, we just weren't really prepared for that eventuality where a team as good as them as defensively good as them was going to come downfield and play that way uh, it was like it's just impossible to really play against and the best we could have really hoped for is you know that we weren't going to have, have a little slip up mm. uh, in the first half going nil nil and I mean the draw was always going to do us you know but you know Mourinho was relying on something like that happening or a set piece or a break or whatever and uh, it just it just didn't go our way like we've had lots of things go away lately you know we can't we can't give out and I mean you look on Twitter there today or wherever all the you know media slating how Mourinho set up and all that but it's fucking absolute garbage like we didn't complain when Rafa you know went all you know win at all costs against teams we beat the best teams around in Europe you know so he's come there to play a better side and he's picked the he's picked tactics it's not it's not a master class it's just basic stuff you know what I mean and when you're that good at defending you know yeah hard to argue Phil uh, yeah, for, for me, I thought it was it was a perfect European away performance by a team. They came out, the people were going on about their time wasting from two minutes in and the whole lot. It wasn't essentially time wasting. What they were doing was trying to make sure that we couldn't build our fast, aggressive tempo that we've come out of the blocks with in nearly every match in this unbeaten run that we've been on. And then the other thing they did was, with the time wasting in bracket, or in quotation marks as such, all they did want, all they wanted to do was try to get a level of frustration going in the crowd because you know it was spoiling the game. The whole thing was the idea was that it spoils the game for twenty minutes. We've talked uh, like as as fans about the great runs that we had in Europe in the eighties, and you hear about Bob Paisley and Shankly and all talking about how it was so important to quiet the away team, the way you know the rabid fans for the first twenty minutes of a game. And that's what Mourinho's team set out to do. I think it was lack of maybe uh, I don't know the, the correct technical terms or whatever. A lot of people, I think they, a lot of people did understand that. Like he had Salah in the first two minutes yeah. in the corner, yeah. shielding the ball. Yeah. You know, it was incredible. And that's but that's to draw a reaction. If if, if you think of Mourinho as a manager, right, mm. and you're thinking of the way that team plays, it's a reflection. It's a perfect reflection of him. He doesn't give a shit what anybody thinks of him once he gets what he wants on the actual pitch. Mm. And he, he was very fortunate to get what he got yesterday. But again, we're, we're, we're talking in unquantifiables when we're saying, well, how would he have gone if, if we had a score early? And how, what would have this happened? And what would that happen? We don't know. They needed to win more than us yesterday, right? So there was no way that they were setting out from two minutes in to, to, to play for a draw. What they were trying to do was ruin our tempo and ruin the game as a spectacle to try get the try get that sort of you know the frustration that can creep into a crowd when things don't aren't going right after 20, 25 minutes. That in previous times in Anfield has happened with, with the crowd itself and which has dissipated recently. And even yesterday, like the crowd never got on the team's back. Even at one nil and even when things were going against us, they were still right behind the team and still cheering the team on. And they weren't they weren't on players' backs at all. They just wanted us to win. We just wanted to win as a fan group. We weren't we weren't there to, to you know to berate somebody for, for doing something wrong at the time. We can do it now. 
because it's not going to affect. No, but what, what I'm saying is like, it's, it's not affecting the players on the pitch because there isn't that more of, of, of dissension that's going on. Yeah. We can do it now. We can debate it as much as we want, right? But we know that when we go again next week in Crystal Palace, that the best away travelling set of fans in the team will be right behind that team because this is still this is still on. This this is still possible to happen, and like it is a kick in the balls. It's a, like things have it's been wrenched from us. But if we don't play to the same levels that we've done up until now with the same belief that we've done up until now then all that hard work that, to put us into this position will be wasted and I do not believe that either one the fans think it's going to happen or two the players are going to let this go again Yeah, It was notable wasn't it the, 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 the positivity in the, in the stadium mm. it was particularly notable and it was, it, it's been a bugbear of mine for a few years that p- p- players tend to get abused and players tend to get singled out and booed uh, not, not necessarily booed but they just people get on their back that's not happening now and that, that is if, if anything that's an improvement anyway um, Damien Flo you talk to me about Simon Mignolet this agenda of ours did a bit of over and back between myself and Phil where uh, oddly enough he was accusing me of being negative which is pretty fucking ironic um, <laughs> but, but, uh, I, I had initially said that Mignolet had a bit of a mixed game Phil's take on it is that he had a very positive game very good game certainly he had a couple of excellent stops and pretty much dominated the box albeit a quiet enough game for him what was your take on him? the way you look at a goalkeeper's game at the end of it has, has he stood out if he's had a quiet game he's had a good game like, mm. um, the last thing you want to be want to be saying like, a goalkeeper only stick out you if he's, if he's dropping balls or he's dropping clangers or if he's misplacing passes yeah. or, or he's falling over if he's making decent saves or he's, he's coming he's collecting or he's clearing you tend not to notice him. And yesterday, I tended not to notice Minnelay. Where other games, you'd be balls getting whipped into the box, you kind of worry you're coming in. <clears throat> but we were so comfortable at the back that he hadn't really got a lot to do. What he had to do, he'd done it well. I felt he'd done it well. Um, I thought he was quite comfortable all day yesterday. Yeah. Uh, I can't really complain. The, the only thing you'd knock him for, and he hasn't really covered himself in glory all season in this, is when he has the ball at his feet. He can tend to be a little bit slow. Yeah. Uh, I think Phil is hitting this where he hasn't made his mind up before he receives it. He kind of receives it and then makes his mind up when that should be already done before he receives it. That's the only thing you could kind of pick a fault with Minlay yesterday. I thought you had a decent game. It was a oh. like, very strong hand for, for Shoreless shot in the, the second half. For sure, very strong hand, yeah. And a great, a great save early on from Salah from the, the Salah yeah, shot as well. Was. That was early doors. And the other thing just on him, because it, it, we, we have talked about it, but I, like, he came for a lot of balls yesterday. Yeah. And he did. He did the sensible things like helping it on. He helped one on, yeah. where instead where the, yeah. where that caused the goal a couple of weeks ago, where he tried to punch it a different way. He just helped it on, mm. clears the danger. And another one he came for, he helped on as well, and it, it takes it away. So, yeah. top marks from Inouye yesterday for me, anyway. Yeah, um, let's look at somebody semi uh, positive on the day as well, uh, alongside Inouye and Molly. I'll come to you on this because Joe Allen had another excellent performance. Seemed to be. One of the only people keeping his head and using possession well throughout the 90 minutes. Um, he was pretty unlucky with probably what was our best effort, I think, uh, over the 90 minutes, which forced Schwarzer into a bit of a, an excellent save himself uh, and would have brought us back into it. He's really starting to live up to the, the reputation that, that, that Rodgers has always given him, hasn't he? Well, is he? Cause I, I said uh, he was on last week, the week before, that, that I'm not sold in Allen. And to be honest, I'm still not sold in Allen. He was busy yesterday, but... Again, he's just lacked that cutting edge. Like, he two shots on targets. Just both of them were easy to get shots. Right? I know he said one of them was our best chance of scoring, but but really, that that wasn't even anywhere close to going in. He made no attempt to take on a player at any stage yesterday. He made three crosses. Only one of them was successful. And he made four tackles. And he, only, he out of those four tackles, he only won one of the tackles. So going by those stats, you know, he can't shoot, he can't tackle, he can't cross. 
So that just leaves the passing. And all right, he, his passing stats are normally very good. But there's no cutting edge with these passes. Not, they're not like they're true balls or anything like that. They're these nice, easy 5-10 yard passes across and going ahead and sometimes behind. So, look, I think Joe Allen has a future at the club. I'm just not too sure what he brings to the team at the moment, if I'm honest with you. Well, to be fair, that's fairly consistent with what you've said before. Um, Dave Thomas, I think you might have a slightly different take on Allen's performance. Well, yeah, I probably couldn't disagree with Molly more, actually. I, I thought that uh, I thought Alan was our best player yesterday. Yeah. And a couple of things I'd say, he doesn't make tackles because Chelsea didn't have the ball. Mm. So, you know, we had 70% of the possession, so he's not going to make tackles. And when Chelsea have the ball, they have it in their centre-half, so in their full-backs or their goalkeeper launching it long. So he's never going to win a lot of tackles. If you actually, you know, look at some of the stats, you know, season long in terms of the number of interceptions and tackles he makes, or pressing in particular. Mm. And I think the lads on uh, Anfield Index were on last week, you know, they, they, they gave some great stats about the pressing that Alan does. He's probably, him and Henderson are on par in terms of the pressing that they do within the team. And you've got to remember, Alan is replacing Henderson. He's not replacing Coutinho or Sterling. So we're not looking for him to you know, make killer passes or unnecessarily score goals. I mean, how many shots on target does Henderson have a game? Mm. You know, he he's not that type of player. What he's doing is knitting the play together between Gerrard, who's playing deep, and then the front four or five that should be penetrating or scoring goals. Where I think he lacks, but only lacks versus Henderson, is that he, he doesn't make the runs beyond... The, the forward line so he's not making those runs into the box um, which Henderson does which creates space and even you know late in the game when we're chasing games if you've got Henderson you know that if we break out of defence he's going to be with you Alan doesn't quite have that engine mm. but I thought he I mean I, you know maybe the centre halves aside I thought he was superb yesterday I thought he was by far our best player yeah I think that's fair enough Andy are you going to say something there yeah well, like I said something to, something similar to Molly there a few weeks back probably a couple of months back I'm not sure what Alan really brings to the team but just over the last few games, I suppose, you can see what he does bring. Like He's he's more versatile than Lucas. So if you're relying on a player to come in and do a role for you, he can kind of do that sitting role. He can do the you know left-hand side of the diamond. You know, he's... He'll do, he'll do what the manager needs him to do. Now, as, he, as uh, David says there, he's not going to make them runs forward. He's not comfortable in the box. He's not as comfortable in the box as Henderson is, even though neither of them are great in front of goal. Mm. Need him a great in front of goal, but he's he's a player you can put your trust in, and he's not going to let you down. Like he's the, he's just the second man in the squad that's going to come in and do a job for you. Yeah. He's never going to set Anfield alight, but he's certainly a, a decent part of the the machine that Rogers is trying to create. You know, that's probably fair enough as well, isn't it? When you do have him and Lucas on either side of that diamond. The overlapping runs are not going to be. I remember Lucas tried to do an overlapping run at one stage yesterday, and the poor lad looked as if someone had hit him with a tranquilizer dart in the arse. He just slowed yeah. up. Now, some people were trying to say he was offside, but I don't know, was it a combination of both lack of legs and that? But, yeah, um, yeah, no, he was offside. He was offside. He, he certainly and was, it was a, yeah. just a bit of bad communication between him and Suarez, I think. Yeah. But um, no, Alan, look, Alan's never going to read. You know, Henderson was that type of player last year where you were kind of looking, wondering. You know what's what's this player got about me? You know what I mean. Give give Alan a couple of years, and you know he may kick on. Yeah, he's he's perfect. He's perfect for what Rogers wants to do. Really, yeah. But there is improvements out there. Don't get me wrong. And I mean, I'm not singing his praises because he's yet to properly really convince me. Hmm. But um, no, I don't like to hear it. You know, I don't like to knock Alan. Really, you know. I think for for me on on the Allen thing, um, it's it's very interesting that the, of the two players that were in front of Gerard. 
he was the one that was trusted with retaining midfield, retaining possession in midfield alongside Gerard. where previously we would have always expected it would be Lucas that would sit in there and become almost a second defensive midfielder when needed. Mm-hmm. But it's actually Alan now that, that, that Rodgers has full faith in because it, it, I, I get the impression that Rodgers has possibly looked at Lucas and realised that he's not going to get back to the level that he was beforehand that we've talked about on plenty of occasions like even in terms of stamina and and everything that he can bring to the team and if you look at the way the team played and and for when Lucas was on the pitch Lucas was the most furthest advanced of the three midfielders he was the one that was always up with the attacks Mm. Um, and in a way, that's where you you lose Henderson because if Henderson is there, we know Alan can 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 do that a bit better than well can do it better than Lucas can at this moment of times in terms of being a, a, an auxiliary attacking midfielder, and even at times if, because Lucas hadn't got the legs to get up and down the pitch to do that sort of you know full of vibrancy and and, and help out with attacks, Coutinho had to fill in an awful lot in the centre midfield like drop in and become the the third player in the midfield while this was going on. And it almost exposed their left, almost exposed Flanagan a bit more down the left flank because it allowed uh, as Piliqueta and Salah double team him an awful lot in the first half. When when because when Chelsea did every now and then decide to break out of their fence, they went to the, they went wide because they felt they could like they they, they went at, at our fullbacks as, as such. But I just thought that that was, you know, but we're hamstrung in terms of squad depth as to who you're going to put in there instead because there was nobody else there. You could see that when Storage comes on, I know we're going to get onto these various things, but you could see when Storage comes on, he wasn't fully fit. So mm. look at the rest of the bench. You're not going to start anyone else there at this moment in time mm. above the 11 that were 100% fit to go out onto the actual yeah, that's, that's, that's That's the point though, Andy, isn't it? That underpins everything is to, you know, we have, what, 13, 14 players. Yeah. And if we, if we get hit by an injury and suspension, we should be dead. We're screwed. Like, I remember back a few weeks here, we were talking about um, whether Sterling plays or Coutinho plays or whether Allen plays or it's a case of rotating these three players for, yeah. for the seat. But, like, Lucas didn't even come into that picture then at that moment of time. Yeah. Now Lucas has to fucking play. Yeah. Yeah. So that just shows how I don't think he does. Well, <laughs> no, I honestly well, don't well, think no, he does. Look, your your feelings on Lucas are are quite clear. But <laughs> 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 well, like for Rogers, he doesn't really see it the same well, as you, and he's gonna just play as what he feels is his best eleven or his most trustworthy eleven. Like you play, you know, if you if if the best players available in the squad are all centre halves, he's fucking playing them. Like you know what I mean. Well, Floody, given that that um, that um, Sturridge was even more injured than we thought he was, uh, clearly, who who started that yesterday for you if Lucas doesn't? I, I would easily put other Tixeria in, um, and I would play the, the same way we've played all our games. What we've done is we've had Henderson, we've had Gerrard, and we've had Coutinho being the third man in there. And what we've done is we, we've let other teams have possession against us. And when we've done that, Coutinho drops in as a third man into the centre with them. Mm. And then we nip it back and we attack them quickly. Like, even at one stage, we had Suarez was dropping in as our left side, Sterling was dropping in as our right, and we drop as a five. Mm. And we've done this against all the top teams, and we let them have possession of the ball. And then we hit them quickly as soon as they come into our half. And that's what we've done. But by bringing Lucas in, we've kind of nullified that because we haven't got it. He's not moving. As Phil said there a few minutes ago, Lucas was there for this midfielder yesterday. You, you've Fair enough to say that. Mm. If you look at Joe Allen, he has played most true balls in the final third of any of our midfielders. Well, Bert Gerardi, because he, at the end of the game he was pushed right on. Lucas made no forward passes in the final third. None. Mm. Absolutely none. The majority of his passes, he made 45 yesterday, 42 were complete. Fantastic, right? Fucking 40 of them out Johnson. 10 yards. He, he, that's all he done. Just helped it out that way. Like, 
But what Alan Burns to the team, if I can just go back to it, is he was constantly probing yesterday, you know, and against teams that are parked the bus, you want to be probing all the time. Mm. When it breaks down, you stop, you start again, you move it and you change the angles. Yesterday it was just so pedestrian all the time. It was so, I'm going to get it, I'm going to open, I'm going to go to Johnson, you know. Yeah. There was no probing into the little channels. Where if you look, and I know it broke down a good few times on Alan, but he was trying it. You've got to keep trying these little probing balls. Yeah. One of them will come off. And I think there's, late in the game, I think there's a, so the Raspis or storage comes on and we do one of them and it's a little link up but that's what we should be in probing rather than just constantly opening it wide and trying to flick Carson into the box Well we come on to the, the, the lack of, of product that came from those little passes on to Johnson in a little while but Molly, let's stick with the positive for a minute and have a look at um, Raheem Sterling who to be fair was probably our best attacking force certainly full of energy amazing pace and, uh, and, and, and just someone who, who looks to have a lot of guile um, for a kid so young still but I mean he was double teamed triple teamed at times because they were worried about him Yeah I'd probably say he was a Ronnie Bright's back yesterday Yeah you know, he, he was the only one that was willing to mix it up he was willing to try something different you know, he was trying to take on a player if that didn't work he was looking going to, to cross it in if that didn't work he was looking either to change to flank or go to the tip of the diamond so yesterday for me he, he was Johnny Bright's back and you have to say for a kid of 19 he, he has shown some great maturity this season especially playing in that role in the tip of that diamond like that, that's not an easy role to play a lot of kids you know managers seem to put him out to the wing because they can kind of hide out there at times but there's no hiding when you're playing in the tip of that diamond and he's shown some great maturity this season mm. so and I know uh, Suarez storage Gerard, they're all probably going to get the plaudits this season, no matter what way, look, we win it, come toward whatever it is. These are the three guys that's getting the plaudits. But for me, you know, Sterling should be right up there in that bracket. And it's really exciting to know that we have this kid in, on our hands. And, you know, at 19, what, what's he going to be like in another five, six years' time when he hits his prime? Yeah, very you know? true, very true. Dave Thomas, that's that's a very good point that, that Molly makes is that this kid's only going to get better, we hope. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, if you if you look at the season as a whole, I think he's been absolutely wonderful. I think, mm. I mean, you know, he's the type of player that if and and you know, without speculating, you if Suarez was to leave, he makes you feel a little bit better about that because you think, God, this kid can actually play anywhere. Yeah. You know, he, you know, we should be building our side around him as much as any other player in that team. Really, I thought he was, I thought he did well yesterday, and you know, I thought there was the but he did well in moments, you know, and I thought what he did was. You know, he beat Matic at one point, you know, shrug Matic, and Matic is three times bigger than him, you know, know, move forward with the ball. What I I think he did, and everyone was guilty of it, and it was a little bit, I thought Demo absolutely spot on about the Lucas point and about, you know, that's just a big hole there. So what I think ended up happening is, you know, Sterling and Suarez and Allen, they were all just taking one touch too many, mm-hmm. you know, instead of their little passes and, you know, probing as, as Damo was saying. So what Sterling did is because he found it quite easy in the last three or four games to pick up the ball, beat three or four players and then he'd be through, he was trying that a lot and he beat one player Yeah, but you're not going to beat three or four of those players you know, they're absolute gargoyles on the pitch, you know, so <laughs> I thought that I thought the, I thought that what he was doing was the same type of stuff but I think it showed that he's 19, he's full of confidence, he thinks he can perhaps do a little bit more than he did. And what I actually thought, what I would like to hear him continue, so everyone just, uh, as Damon said, just probe, stop, you know, one-touch pass, go back, try go through the middle. Mm. You know, 
and I think we'll come on to what didn't work but for me he was symptomatic of that a little bit just always just that one touch too many or two touch too many but a season on a whole he's been absolutely phenomenal absolutely now Phil we're going to talk as as as, as Dave says about the way we got to later on which was forcing it and all our best players trying to force it but first let's start with uh, talking about the full backs and uh, their uh, effectiveness or lack thereof on the day um, talk to me about Flanagan and Johnson well first of all Flanagan as a um, defensive fullback again was was spot on with Mark. Mm-hmm. One is one is challenges. Did everything that he'd expect from a defensive point of view. Like he, as I said, he was isolated at times in the first half and was able to handle the threat of Salah and uh, as Pilicueta coming down that flank. Not a bother to him, and, and it's a measure of his. Um, strength as a player over the course of the season that he's able to handle these international players um, without much without batting an eyelid now right his product in the final tour we know is not up there in terms of top quality attacking fullbacks but it's hard to put in point anyone in their squad who and say that they're now top quality attacking fullbacks um, and we sort of didn't use them enough in the right way um, because we flashed way too many crosses into the box yesterday and, and, and an awful lot of this came from Chelsea were, were letting us take the ball in front of their line of seven across the box and they were happy for us to go wide to whoever was on the flank be it Sterling, be it Johnson, be it whoever had made their way out where Suarez had gone out wide and they were actively encouraging crosses into the box because this is what they did to Atletico Madrid on Wednesday. We, we talked about this. It was like everyone's going, oh, Jesus, look how one-dimensional Atletico Madrid is. All they did was they, they put crosses into the box all night. But that's the way Chelsea have set up to, 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 to play against it. They want to get it out there. They've got all their big men lined up in the box. Crosses comes in, meet and drink, and they'll clear it away. And they'll let you take it again, and they'll force you to go wide with it, right? What we needed from our fullbacks there was a bit more composure, a bit more patience, a bit less in, uh, inclination to want to drive it and force it when they're in wide positions and just play, come back in central. Our, def- our attackers also were integral in this and in that they didn't set themselves up in the right positions around the box because when we did flash in across, it was normally one player up against three or four Chelsea players and it needed uh, a worldy to, to actually find the feet or the head of one of our players to pick them out in, in the forest of bodies that was in there. I was there. going to say that wasn't necessarily just down to the fullbacks, the, the Moisean amount of crosses that we put in. It was more... Like I mean, Coutinho playing a tremendous amount. I mean, there, there were straight balls. There were kind of ping straight balls. Yeah. That, you know, the best you can hope for is a knockdown. And in fact, Alan's shot, which I would still say was the best one, at least it drew a proper save from Schwarzer, um, was was his result of, of of a poor clearance. Yeah. Uh, from a crap ball, really. Yeah. By and, Johnson. And they're like the they're the type of crosses that I would have berated Stewart down about yeah. last year because they were the same type of balls. They look like dangerous crosses because they go into the dangerous areas of the the box, yeah. but because they're just into a forest of blue jerseys with very few red jerseys in there, you're effectively giving up your attacking opportunity every time. What we needed was we needed Suarez to have a bit more goil about him yesterday. We needed Sterling to be more prepared to play with his back to goal, even though he's not naturally a big man, but just to be able to sit on the 18-yard box and allow the Chelsea defenders to come suck down to him to create a bit more space around that edge of the yeah, box. And I know people say, look, there were seven players in front of him there, but that's how teams have broken down this blanket defence that Mourinho has done before. And, you know, ultimately, they let us go to the full-backs and their full-backs played exactly the way Chelsea wanted them to play 
which was to let them have the ball because they're what they'll do is they'll put it into the box because they think that's the right thing to do. And I I I I, I think the most crosses we put in in the match before the yesterday was 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 around a twenty mark or sub twenty, and we put thirty nine in yesterday, and it just shows you the difference in emphasis. We we don't score many goals off off crosses from open play. We score a lot from set pieces that we've had, but not from open play, because when they do that and, and I've also heard people saying oh look this is a style of play now that other teams will adopt when they come to play us but other teams have tried that against us the difference is the level of quality of players that Chelsea have on the day and the way they've been drilled into playing this system under Mourinho because he's used this with such success at Porto at Inter Milan not so much at Real Madrid because you know the, the things didn't work out the way they, they have for him previously he even used it at Chelsea when he was there previously in, 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 in European games and the whole lot but he had better he had better centre forward so they were able to play a more progressive attacking game when he was there the first time around but all we did was he set out the benchmark as how he was going to play us on Wednesday and we we willingly accepted how they wanted to play us we never imposed the way we've played against other teams throughout the course of the season yesterday and ultimately, when you look at it, that was our downfall because we just lacked that little bit of patience and that little bit of extra goal, which we've shown in other games when we've needed to. Andy, I know you might have a slightly contrary opinion to this. What about what about that theory that Phil is positing there? That basically, I've heard it said that Rodgers was almost naive in the way that he approached the game. I, I, I don't hold that with that myself. But isn't it true to say that we didn't manage to force our usual game onto Chelsea and they certainly did manage to do what they wanted to do to us? Yeah, but like... If Chelsea had done that a couple of months ago to us, we might have unlocked them. In fact, we probably would have. We're gone off the boil. Like we've run out. We're, we've been running out of steam a while, and we've been getting a lot our way, yeah. an awful lot our way. Whatever it's penalties or refereeing decisions or you know incidents in the game that are pivotal. Um, Liverpool haven't got the energy now that they had a couple of months ago. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, it's with you know four games left, it's just it was just an awful lot to see it over the line and win all them four games. Now, like what Mourinho did, a lot of other teams in the Premier League do that finish mid table every year. Yeah, um, that was a different level of you know off the scale. Like I mean, he done it against Atletico during the week, and the other performance I liken it to was a few years ago when he was managing Inter and they played Barca and they went through. Mm. That was that was quite like that as well. It, it was ugly, and we just we just don't have that now at this stage of the season to be just to be buzzing around. Suarez has gone off form. Storage is obviously carrying that knock. It's just it's just one of those it's just one of those fucking things. Like I mean, the game could have went totally different yesterday had you know had Sacco got that early goal or whatever. Yeah. You know, you have to accept certain things. I mean, we just we just didn't. You know what I mean? And I wouldn't be too critical of what Rogers tried to impose at all. The best way the team know at the moment is what they've been doing for a few weeks yeah, now. That's fair. There's no point in resorting back to something that we were kind of doing earlier on in the season and just kind of get you know picking up points. We started to play well. We started to get into a rhythm of how we were winning games. And of course, Rogers wanted to kill them off within the first twenty minutes again. But Mourinho, like, done every everything he could to stop, you know, Liverpool getting the momentum and try this as it's just been mentioned already, stinging the crowd and everything. So, like, if Rogers tried something different yesterday, and we didn't win or we lost the same, he'd have been absolutely hung today. Yeah. You know, yeah. I'm what sure. more? What more can you ask of that team? 
Exactly. F- fucking 14 players, really. Exactly. And idiots are going to come out and say stupid shit anyway. And they, they have been doing if if you... If you I'm, I'm just talking about the game on its merits. Um, yes. Because at, at the end of it, I'm, I'm not taken away from what this team has achieved over the last 14 games. I'm just talking about that one display yesterday that, you know, we've, we've seen where... And it's and it's very few managers. Let's be straight about this. Very few managers get the upper hand on Mourinho in terms of in, in one-off matches. And when we got, if you look back to the Chelsea match in December when we played against them and they went two-one up, they were very similar in how they set up against us. Then they dropped back and they just let it. They forced us wide and we we ended up playing cross but, into but, the box that but, way. But tell me, tell me the 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 counter argument. What Andy's saying there. What the fuck can we do given that we do have a level of. As Andy says, perhaps end of season tiredness going on. Yeah, and, and I'm not. What, what, what could I, happen there? That I'm not disputing any of that at all, yeah. right? I'm just saying that we needed to approach that with just a little bit more goal because it wasn't like they were running at us and stretching us open or whatever, right? They were camped around the edge of the, their 18 yard box. It was effectively 25 yards out from goal. They they sat there and they camped there and that was it. They they set up shop, right? And they said, "Come and break us down." Now the main way we tried to break them down was either playing true balls over the top or cross balls right and when that didn't work instead of us t- instead of us looking for a different way and I don't believe that Rogers didn't say to them at half time right lads look just a bit more patience here you know we need to get one twos more one twos going on the box various different things because Rogers is not a tactically naive manager as we've seen over the course of the season just and Andy's point has, has, has a lot of validity if there is tired minds in that pitch which there could well be because of the type of run and all that we've been on and the pressure that we've been on to continually win games because of what City and Chelsea have done mm. right the players may not have been able to react and then you do get things like Stevie wanting to make up for his, for his error you get Suarez trying to run through players instead of just you know taking a step back a deep breath laying it off and then looking to get a, a give and go you know you, you, you get Coutinho instead of trying to play that 15-yard through ball, he only needs to play a 1-2 because you get Sterling working in off the back of Suarez or you get Suarez playing in off Sterling, something like that. You know, something that's, it's, it's much more tighter. It's something that Barcelona have done brilliantly for years, right? And this, this is the other thing. We aren't Barcelona yet, right? But we're playing in a, ty- a similar type style manner. And if you play those quick interchange balls around, that's how that Mourinho-type defence is being broken down because it's 1-2-3 and then what happens is a player gets in around the back of one of those defenders because the more you probe and goil and more you probe and pick and probe and pick and probe and pick on that type of defence where you're not just putting it into the box the tighter they become because they have to defend in a much more organised fashion whereas if you just keep putting crosses and cross balls into the box it's easy to defend headers and easy to defend clearances and that I, I, I agree I mean, but I think that if we're judging the game on its merits just like Andy said, a lot of things have fallen yeah. our way. We just got beaten by a better team. You know, the reality is the re- it's, it's not like we didn't play quick passes around the box because we can't do that or we haven't done that before. That's what we've done for nine months. Mm-hmm. So something stopped us doing that yesterday and that something was Chelsea. So, you know, when we beat teams, what we do is we come on these podcasts and we say, look how great we were. Look how tactically spot on Rogers got it. He did this and he moved them here and he did this and he did that. Well, do you know what? Mourinho did it better yesterday. I, I, I don't, you know, I, I agree with you. I, there's no way Rogers went out there and said, put crosses in the box. What I think happens is crosses come when they're trying to do things quick because they think they've got to do something and, and our game is all around doing something quick, doing it at pace, making a decision, being offensive. And when you can't play a through ball and they're driving you wide, the offensive thing to do is to try something that's you know more risky and in, in their heads, crossing is more risky. So I think you know 
Mourinho, again, I mentioned that on the podcast last week, if you read this book that's being written about him, you know, one of the things he says is, you know, we don't want the ball, because if you've got the ball, you're going to make a mistake, right? And the team that wins the game is the team that makes the, less, the, the least mistakes. <coughs> we made one mistake, they made zero. That's why they won the game. That, I mean, that was really the difference. We made one mistake. And that his entire side was built up around making mistakes. Um, can I come to you? Please do, Molly. Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. It's that often I disagree with Dave, but I'm going to disagree at this stage. I don't think we got beaten by a better team. In, in fact, uh, I don't think even Chelsea beat us. What really happened was there that we beat ourselves 2-0. You know, the reason Chelsea won that game 2-0 was just down to two mistakes. Yeah. That could happen to anyone. You know, you could play that game, I think, ten more times and Chelsea wouldn't have beat us. The only reason they won yesterday, Gerrard slipped, Bar was in. We were pushing for a goal in the second half and if we hadn't conceded that first goal due to the mistake, we wouldn't have conceded the second one. So I, I don't think the better team beat us. We beat ourselves. That's 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 where I look at it. Well listen, this is vaguely related to it, Molly. What talk to me about the captain and his performance on the day. Um the the people have been making merry with the whole slip thing and all the rest of it's been hard to stomach um over the course of the last twenty four hours. Uh as you say, it's just bloody unfortunate. Um, but as the match went on, I think Phil touched on it earlier on, there was evidence of, of Stevie playing that game that he used to play, which him taking the whole responsibility onto his own shoulders. And our other main man, Suarez, doing the same and, and trying to force it. And whereas that's eminently understandable, it, it didn't really help us, did it, in terms of the kind of panic levels rather than the patient build-up that we might have needed? No, certainly not. And, and that whole slip thing, the irony has been lost in me with this, we will not let it slip and he slips, you know. Yeah, I know, I know. <laughs> we've, we've, we've heard that one, unfortunately. Yeah. And all the pictures and everything. Yeah, and all the pictures. Yeah. Clever. It's such, a, it's such a thing to happen to Liverpool, really, isn't it? <clears throat> That's unreal. It's just a fucking bastard. It just seems to always happen. Things like that to yeah. us for everyone to laugh. Do you know? <laughs> do you know? Somebody was saying that that's um, where he slipped is where there's a sprinkler head or something on the pitch. I bet he's not there today. Sorry, Molly. Working but getting back to Molly. No, sorry. That's your own mistake. It was just one of those things. It's just kind of shit happens basically. Just yeah. one of those yeah. things. What happened after that really was is that he was trying to make up for that mistake. Mm. And I, I think he was trying, trying to force it a bit. So many shots straight yeah, down the line. Yeah. Yeah. You know, in past seasons, one of, one of those would have went in and we would have been you know, yeah. shouting on the rooftops about mm. how much of a brilliant player Gerard is. Which, of course, he is a brilliant player. But I'm not too sure if he has that in his locker anymore, those 30-yard screamers. And he was just trying to force it instead of getting it and passing it out wider as create one two with Suarez or whatever it is so that that slip kind of it did affect him for the rest of the game yeah and what what about just while, while you're on the whole topic of force and what did you think of Suarez and his efforts on, on the day I think uh, Suarez tried everything he really yeah. did I, I know he didn't have one of his better games but it wasn't for a lack of trying really yeah. you know you could really look at every player though on that pitch yesterday and say that I don't think any player really had a bad game yesterday would be completely honest with you it's just none of them had a great game. There was no bit of magic out of anyone there yesterday. And yeah. Suarez was just one of those. Yeah. He tried it, but nothing, nothing was working. And it, it's so hard to break down, you know, 10 guys behind the ball like that. Especially when, when those 10 guys are 10 full international Chelsea players. Yeah. So I, have to say, I, I was actually, yesterday, I, I was kind of angry the way Mourinho set up. It actually felt like he was cheating, if that makes sense. So I said, this is not how football isn't meant to be played but in hindsight you have to tip the cap to the guy 
He went out there to get a result, and he got it. Yeah. No, okay. The only reason he got that was was result. Yeah. Was because of two mistakes we made, but it wasn't for lack of trying on our behalf. Yeah, and Chelsea defense was too good. Yeah, all this talk about indifference on his part. Do you see the way he celebrated that second goal? That was uh, that was pretty pretty hard to watch. Uh, Floody, talk to me about the captain and um, this idea that perhaps the slip did affect him in terms of trying to force the play afterwards. I don't think so. Uh, he continued to play the game. He had like the, the, he yeah. just grabs the ball straight away and he gets on with it. Really. Fucking what happened? Happened. Let's get on with it. Yeah, yeah. But as I said earlier on, himself and Alan were constantly probing they were probing 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 it wasn't working when it, when a shot opens up you're going to pull the trigger Like it's, that's mm. not just Gerrard like if that lands at Alan's feet in that same position he pulls the trigger if lands at Suarez he's going to pull the trigger mm. Gerrard was getting into them positions uh, if, that's a very good point yeah, yeah. if yeah. anyone looks at Gerrard's stats for that game yesterday it's fucking phenomenal the amount of passes shots Tackles, clearances that man made yesterday is fucking frightening. Yeah, it, quite the style it, tonight. <laughs> I swear to God, look at it later on because yeah, it, I, it, I got so frustrated yeah. looking at it yesterday. If you look at his, the whole fucking page is nearly full up with his passing, mm. his shooting, his tackling, mm. his head, and everything is, is like there's a lot of red on it because he's forced it a little bit. But like, who wasn't forcing it at the end of the game? It wasn't yeah. just Stevie. Like it's, and it said if one of them was in the top corner, we we're fucking raving that, that that's the Steven Gerrard we all know and love. But it just didn't work out yesterday. From but I don't, I, I wouldn't blame him for trying to force it. Like it's, yeah. And what, what about a other man who's who's front and central at Suarez? Uh, there's there's been a bit of chat here in the in the podcast over the last few weeks that I think it's fair that he has certainly gone off the boil form-wise, even though he's gotten an odd goal here and there. But it, yesterday he really struggled, didn't he, in fairness? He, he struggled yesterday. Um, we'd all say about Suarez, he loves to get a man in a one-on-one situation. Mm. Uh, he likes a little bit of space to move. He, he, they just cut all kinds of space off. Was it as simple as that? Simple as yeah. that. They just didn't give him room anywhere to play. What I would have liked to see, and Phil was saying, maybe if you were Sterling and Suarez, get them to play with the back to goal. And what you're looking there is to play a wall pass off them into the, and, and get a runner off it. And that opens up the gaps into them, them fucking buses that are parked. <laughs> That's yeah. the only way. Point. It's the wall pass that'll get you through. These little clip ones over the top, trying to force them. They normally break down, but mm. you, you can't. If somebody makes a run, it's very difficult if it's wall passed up to, to to stop that. You know, that that'd be the only thing that I, I would have changed for Suarez because every time we come into him, he tried to turn, he tried to flick past. Just fucking hold him up and lay it off to somebody. You mm. know, uh, little one around the corner, spin off around. He didn't seem to do any of that yesterday. Yeah. Uh, it, but that's not his natural game. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, you know, I, I think we're judging the game on his matter as far as at a poor game. Mm. You know, and I think that just because he's had a phenomenal season, he, he, you know, we shouldn't. And I'm not saying that's what Dan was doing. I think he's absolutely right. But I th- I think we've got to say he had a poor game. I, I mean, I just think. The best thing about Suarez and the worst thing about Suarez is the same thing, which is that he plays the same way every game. He plays every game as if he's going to win the whole thing by himself. And sometimes that comes off for him and things come off for him and everyone else joins in. What I would have liked him to do yesterday is to realise he's getting no joy and just go, do you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to drag defenders out of the way. I'm going to lay stuff off. I'm going to do something a little bit different. And, you know, Sterling, Coutinho, Sturridge, Aspas, whatever, you go into the box. And that's all I'm going to do is pull a defender out. Because he was double teamed all, all yeah. game. He had yeah. two defenders on him all game. But he doesn't do that. What he says is, oh, I've got two defenders. I'll try and beat them then. Mm-hmm. So that's what I just got a little bit frustrated with him yesterday. I just, and maybe he's not the type of player that's ever going to do that. And we have mm-hmm. to respect that and appreciate that because he's phenomenal. But 
the, the, a smarter player, or maybe smarter is the wrong word, I don't know, more tactically aware or more team-orientated player would have gone, I'm getting nothing today. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to do something. I'm going to be the decoy. I'm going to run here, and I know I'm not going to get the ball, but you know what? Carlos is going to come with me, or Ivanovic is going to come with me, and let's stir in. Let's stir in play up front. So that was my only criticism of him. I think if we're going to truly judge everyone on what happened yesterday, you have to say the Suarez has had a poor probably yeah. four weeks, actually. Yeah, well, like I go back as far as United away. Yeah. Uh, that's when the cracks started to kind of come, you know, when Suarez, there was a couple of times when he fell in that game. And since then... Every game he seems to be forcing it and wanting to do it for himself. It's like yeah. he has this record of goal scored in sight and he just wants to score every game, which is brilliant. That's what you want your striker to do. But um, the level of qu- the level of quality that we've been used to is just being fallen away. Now, he, he wants touches in the box and just yesterday was one of those games where he was never going to get touches in the box. That's when Suarez at his best or if you can run at you, an isolated player. But there was no such thing as isolating a player. Like, you know, Sterling, as well as he could play, there's no such thing as isolating a player when you have pl- banks of players, like, and, you, you know, they're doubling up every time. So Suarez had a poor game, but uh, still, you're just you're just waiting and waiting and waiting. He only needs one moment. He had a poor game versus City, and he had that true ball for um, Sterling where he done brilliantly, knocking two players onto the floor. Yeah. So, like, that's just the way. And I wouldn't change it for the world. Like, you know, I mean... <laughs> You, you, if Suarez starts playing um, away from the box or pulling players out, you know it's it's one of our one of our main problem uh, players that are causing that cause teams problems. They'll be just laughing, really, you know. So, and I, and getting back to Gerard as well, I'm glad what Damo said because the amount of people saying Gerard was forcing it, forcing it, like that was one way we could have unlocked them. They were opening up for shots. It just needed a bit more quality than Gerard yeah. delivered on the day. And maybe maybe it was in his head it, what happened earlier on. And maybe he wanted that fucking wonder goal so much. But boy God, that was, that was just one way that it could have happened. It was opening up every fucking time. And all he needed was to get one on target and uh, Suarez to spill it. And Suarez is always going to be there, isn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, can't knock Gerard for that. The slip is just fucking one of those things. With the way we play at Rogers, it's gonna happen. Mm-hmm. We're constantly nicking balls last minute away from a, defense, uh, a forward that's hunting down. Mingalay has got away with it tons of times. Sacco's got away with it. Agar, Skirtle, Flanagan, <coughs> Johnson—they've all been getting away with it. And it's just one of those occasions. If he doesn't slip, he just gets the ball and he gets a nick on it, and yeah. then we move on. Yeah, fair enough, Phil. Yeah, I, I suppose when you look at the the players that have been so integral to our big games, Coutinho, Suarez, Gerard, um, Sturridge, and you look at Sturridge's intro as well into the game because everyone was saying, oh, you know, get Sturridge on, get Sturridge on, it's not working, and he comes on, and you can see the guy is clearly not fit. He, he wasn't able to open his gate at all in terms of, you know, he couldn't run at players. Even with that second goal that they score, he can't recover. And like Sturridge is, is, is an exceptionally fast player, but he can't recover quickly enough from a bad touch. That says to me he's still very much carrying the knock. And <coughs> even afterwards, Brendan himself said that he hadn't trained all week. And, and you know he has to make the gamble. He's a, like I, you cannot fault Rogers for putting him on because it was the right thing to do. But you can't fault fault him for not starting him either if he knew that that was the fitness level that Sturridge was playing at. Because mm. you know you start him and you're effectively playing with ten men against yeah. Chelsea's eleven. So there's no issue there. It's interesting when when we talk about Gerard forcing it. Like it, it, to me, it felt like anyway that. He, he wanted to so much make up for the amount that was going on and, his, and, and credit to him that his stats are so high in the whole lot but at, at times I just felt that you know some of the shots he was taking were, was, was that little bit far out that the odds were against him for a player that hasn't been you know putting them in from 25, 35 
you know, 26, 27 yards for two or three seasons now. He was doing something that he hasn't been doing for a while. And, you know, he's not in the vein of form in terms of long distance shooting that he would have been four or five seasons ago, where these type of things happened on a regular basis. And it's like anything, the more you practice something, the more likely it's going to come off. And I thought it was very interesting that Chelsea were allowing certain players to have shots and preventing others. Like, you're talking about Suarez, he gets the ball, he turns and he runs into a bank of players. They were quick to get up and press him and not allow him to get away the shots because the one player that has been scoring goals from stupid distances for us and, and you know, wonder shots and wonder strikes is Suarez. Similarly, when Sturridge got on, they never let Sturridge cut back in onto his left foot to get a shot off. He was always closed down and blocked off for a shot from that side. And they were letting Joe Allen take shots because they know that he isn't renowned for his long-distance shooting. They let Coutinho have shots because they know how poor Coutinho was shooting has been. I, I thought it was interesting though, that they that they didn't seem to press Gerard in terms of his shooting because you know if if if, I, and if there's one player I was going to press regardless of whether he's been taking them or not Gerard is definitely one of the players that I would have been pressing to do it. Uh, he's coming from deeper though than them players like you know he's not going to be picked up from where he was like Chelsea were camped so you know Gerard's coming from deeper he's not being picked up he's going to have space to shoot I don't think they've fucking made the decision let Gerard shoot. But Suarez came from deep on plenty of occasions and they got out and they not, closed him and, not, they, and they pressed him. Gerard Gerard's playing. But they, grab, they, 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 they did get out and press him but they weren't letting him get shots away like they, were, they were actively not letting certain players get shots away because I think there's a logic in it I don't know how you can make that decision in your head oh it's only Coutinho oh it's only Allen it's only Gerrard you know I mean you're going to react you're gonna, like it, a defender is going to be marking Suarez it's his job not to fucking let him score but nobody's drilled nobody's told man mark Gerrard because he's playing defensive midfield role I, I just I, I just can't accept that I'm sorry <laughs> it's I mean a, I don't allow, care. Allow, allow. <laughs> it's quite simple of course, fuck, like. of course you don't care That's fine. <laughs> but I just don't I just don't think a team sets out and allows certain players to shoot I just no. think there's certain people they picked up not to do a shoot or anything like that I just think they certain like they man Mark Suarez yeah they man-marked... They put uh, two or three on Sterling, so we couldn't... So their front, our front yeah. three then. So what happened is w- the defenders went with them, whereas because Jared was coming from yeah. deep, I think he had more options. I mean, I, uh, just to echo the Jared point, um, I thought that his the 10 minutes after half-time, mm. after he's made the mistake, was one of the, was one of the best 10-minute periods I've seen him play in a long time after he makes that mistake. I think any other player falls to pieces there. He wants the ball. If you watch that 10 minutes back, he wants the ball all the time. Give me the mm. ball. Give me the ball. Yeah. Give me the ball. Do you know, the, 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 there's talk that like, he was devastating the dressing room after the actual game itself, right? And, and I'm hoping that the, the likes of Steve Peters and all just gives him the videotape of the game and say, look, there's, there's nothing more you can do after yeah. you make the mistake. Like the, mm. the, Your work rate and everything that you've done <coughs> and you've driven that team on You'll get your just rewards if you continue to continue exactly. to do what you're doing and continue to do it right. Yeah, I think Dave's spot on there as well. And there's not one of us that wouldn't absolutely backed him if, if we did get a pen. He was absolutely. He'd have been absolutely confident in him doing it. You know what I mean? Um, okay, look, I've uh, picked the bones out of that possibly enough. Let's move on to have a look at our uh, second part, uh, which is the next game, which is Crystal Palace um, football feast. The <laughs> yes, yes, Crow, uh, Stoke Palace. Uh, City have won uh, at the weekend after us, so the title's no longer, strictly speaking, in our hands. Um, we a little choice now, but to beat our two opponents that we've got coming up and see what happens elsewhere. Um, with no Henderson in this game either, it's likely, isn't it, Flutie, to be the same eleven that started the last two? I know you've spoken early on about how you wouldn't like it to be, but it is likely to be. It's likely to be. Should it be? No. Yeah. Uh, it is likely to be, though. Um, I feel if it is the same... 
there's a fucking very large banana skin on that game. Yeah. I said it before the Norwich game with Lucas coming into that side, we would struggle in midfield. Uh, they have a fairly decent midfield. They're, they're not war beers, but your man Yedinek, he's he's tidy. Mm. Uh, I think I think he's one of the highest tackle rates in the league. Uh, he, he's fantastic on the ball as well. He's actually a fairly decent. Player. I actually said the other day he's an option. He's a decent player. Um, if to put Lucas in there, I think we'll struggle. I think we have to change it a little bit to have to to play what suits us rather than what we have available. Like yeah. If we have to bring a kid in. Like I didn't, if I could, I'd bring Hoy back off loan or anything to change this. Um, I, I'd, I'd go back to probably having a 4 2 3 1 rather than having the 4. We're, we're going to be missing storage as well, mm. likely enough. Mm. Uh, if we have storage back available, I think Lucas just steps out and we go back to what we have been used to. Uh, but I, I think if Lucas plays, I think we can get unstuck in this game as well, and it worries me. Yeah. It does worry me I'm coming to the side. Fair enough. Molly, it's 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 um given the lack of mobility the kids showed on Sunday, it's highly unlikely we see Daniel Sturridge starting this game, isn't it? Even with another week to recover. Yeah, I, I don't I can't see Sturridge starting this game. But as Damon said, I would like to see him start it. Uh just because that would mean that Lucas would drop out of the team. No, I, I know I've been I've been back in Lucas in the past. But I think that's maybe because everyone else has been slaughtered when I tried to give a guy a break and his experience. But Dave made a comment on, on this show a couple of weeks ago about Agar should never play for Liverpool again. At this stage, I feel the same about Lucas. Yes, this should be his last game. He should never play with us again. But unfortunately, he probably will against Palace. And mm. you know, Palace could be at the end of the side on the break. You know, they're punching there, they've Tom is in. You know, they, they could be PSC enough. And I'd worry with Lucas in that midfield against a couple of PSC wingers midfielders up against him but I think it will be the same team as Erste yeah yeah. Phil it's possibly to be fair too big of a, of a, of a of an ask now with the goal difference the way it is for us to even be considering I've heard some crazy shouts from various people talking about uh, how we might rein that in but it's it's bananas in many ways to think we could do that because you know City are going to score goals as well if it was, um, t- if it was two months ago and you have stor- Storage and Suarez on the form that they were on and we were Putting fours and fives and past teams with, with ease, yeah. Um, you might say to yourself, yeah, you might you might do something magical in with, the last a, two with games. a swing against City, perhaps, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but you're still like you're more likely for City to drop points than you are to to to, to change a twelve goal swing in two games. Of course, well, talk to me then. Does that does does that have to enter Brennan's thinking though? When he's when he, like, I mean, with the way the way you, you set the team, you, you, you set up to win. Palace game one nil if it, if, yeah. if that's all it okay. means and you put the points on the board yeah. um, like you can't you can't you can't do any more than win your two games mm-hmm. right you, you can't think about goal difference because the problem when, once you start thinking about goal difference your focus goes away from just winning the match it's like it's it's a goal chase at that stage I'd prefer us to get six points on the board and see where that leads us at the end of the season for sure because if you put six points on the board City will have to put together a five game winning streak to win the league. Right, they'll have to win win all five of the last five matches. Now they've they've done two. They've got three left, and you know, just you know, it, it looks relatively easy in terms of the teams they're playing against. But Villa, when when Villa go to play them, they'll need points to mathematically secure their place in, in the league for the following season, regardless of what happens at, at the weekend. So, you know, it's it, it's this type of thing where you look at the Palace game and you say, 
how the team go into that match will depend an awful lot on the results that happen over the course of the weekend. You've got City playing. If they win, they'll go above us on goal difference, right, before we kick a ball on Monday. If Chelsea win, Chelsea will be top of the league. So potentially we could be toward going in playing Palace, right? Mm. So you'd imagine that just gives the drive in the dressing room, as opposed to a fear, but it gives a drive in the dressing room that the lads want to take this to the last day of the season, regardless of what goes on anywhere else. And they know that the only thing that matters then is a win. 1-0, 2-0, 20-0. It doesn't matter once we get three points on the, on the board on, on Monday night. Yes, I have my concerns as, as Damien. I, I probably have slightly different ones. I think we need a little bit of freshness now brought back into the side. I think what Andy said is a good point. There, there, there does seem to be a bit of you know, running out of steam and maybe players you know, struggling a bit with ideas or just that mental block of what's going on. And I wouldn't be against seeing Flanagan move to right back and, and bring a mad Ali Sissoko back in into left back because you know, we're talking about crosses and the way teams attack us and, and um, Pulis's side will look to get down the flanks and look to put crosses in and I'm just thinking of if you can cut that out and the two best fullbacks we have are cutting out offensive crosses because Palace are not going to sit back and park the bus in the same way Chelsea did yet they'll defend deep and look to play on the counter but you want good defensive fullbacks in that instance, instance to prevent their main threats which is we were saying Punchin and, and Thomas Ince riding down the actual flanks if storage isn't fit, I wouldn't start Lucas anyway. I'd bring Moses back into the team. I know that sounds. You know, some people go, oh, "What the hell is going on there?" But you know, it's a, for a start. It's one of Moses' ex clubs, right? He's only got two games left at Liverpool. He needs to impress because he wants to. He's going back to Chelsea at the end of the season. He says he wants to prove that he has a career at Chelsea. You know, in in such strange games, heroes are made. Um, and I would rather see a front three of Moses, Sterling, and Suarez going into that game with Coutinho. Allen and Gerrard in the centre midfield than seeing Lucas and forcing Coutinho high in the park again and then you know having Lucas and Allen in the team because I think we'd have more forward momentum and forward trust and we'd be able to play with a much quicker tempo if Lucas is out of the side and I think Moses for all his shitness that he's been for us right he can provide an option he, he, he is pacey he is powerful and he can do something in, in, in that side uh, Andy uh, a couple of fairly Big shouts there from Phil. First of all, the idea of dropping Johnson, which I think even Phil agrees highly unlikely. But bringing in I, I'm not saying that this is going to happen. No, 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 this is what you'd like, yeah. yeah. But what, what, where would you stand the idea of, of taking Moses in for this match? No way. No fucking way. <laughs> right, okay, that's definitive. Moses is a prick. <laughs> <laughs> Don't hold back there. Uh, <laughs> he, he hadn't said a fucking word all season, and he picks the week of that Chelsea game to start talking about his fucking mates. Mm down and under and I don't fucking believe for a second that he's not fucking talking to them you know all week preparing you know what a fucking wanker to come out and disrupt their preparation playing his you know uh, parent club peculiar time so I wouldn't no fucking way no way and he's he does to come out and do that he obviously has a little bit of a hang up that he's not got the game time and he's not got the chance to prove himself and his loan hasn't worked out fuck him I wouldn't even have him on the bench while you're you're on a roll I wouldn't even have him in training ground (laughs) (laughs) while you're you're on a roll uh, let's talk about your other friend Uh, Phil again spoke about uh, uh, heroes being made in in, in peculiar scenarios we had a Iago singularly failing to be the hero that we hoped he would be despite a couple of nice little touches at the weekend he made a mistake that everyone pounced on does Iago come into the thinking? (laughs) (laughs) No like I mean there's a couple of shouts Lucas should never play for the club again Agar should never play for the club again you know that's that's wild in my opinion Aspas he shouldn't even play football again (laughs) (laughs) you know uh, 
early on when you know we, I seen Aspas play, he's one of those. He, I just looked at him and says, "No, fucking, he's crap. He's not going to fucking do anything for us." Uh, I said it here on one of our first podcasts. Uh, Geek, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. Geek, and every time he come on, you know, he got a chance for Liverpool, whether it be in a cup or whatever. I said, "Come on, there you go. You know, prove me wrong, because that's what I love more than anything." Is mm. a nice surprise, and the fella does something. He's failed on every single occasion. An absolute fucking melodian player, and whoever's responsible for bringing them in should be fired as well. I mean, like, how many players are in Europe, strikers? How many? Hundreds and fucking hundreds. Aspas. Why? Why? Honest to God, why? Fucking justify it. Like, honestly, no, he shouldn't play. No fucking chance. One of the unflas. Where's uh, fucking Jerome Sinclair? Or where's that fucking German bloke that... He's, he's, he's yeah. doing it as a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. fucking playing with half a knee than fucking Aspas. <laughs> what the fuck? The corner, like, I mean, I, I mean, that's no point in harping on about it, but I will. Um, <laughs> like, he's at a left footer. He's obviously being put in the corner for a very specific reason, for an in-swinging corner. Mm-hmm. And he does that. Yeah. Mad. mad. We, did, we did try that t- tactic. Yeah, we earlier. did. But, like, you know, but we found he, the man. he was the player. <laughs> he was the player that could find it. He didn't even nearly make it to the player. Like, no, you know it, what it, I mean? did, yeah, it yeah. didn't even nearly do it. Yeah, um, it reminded me of when you see a kid playing snooker and they can't quite reach the far end of the table with a shot. You know? <laughs> That's what it reminded me of. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, I definitely uh, think that we have to do something different and be it something fucking mad. Yeah. It has to be something different than having Lucas in the team. Now, well, I, think, I just think storage, like eight, eight more, eight days preparation, I think storage will make it. But you hopefully, know? hopefully he does. Hopefully, yeah. Yeah. But, but I think he make it. The, my reasoning behind this is, I'd, I'd rather have a Moses or an Aspas that does something positive. They might do fucking loads of negative and mess up here and there, but do something positive trying to score than have someone sit in the middle of the park and play 45 passes sideways to a fullback. Well, then play him, play him back where he's used to and then just move Jared on. Like... But I, I don't think you. I don't think you should. I, I don't think when you've got a functioning tree there in mm. Coutinho, Alan, Alan. and Gerard who <laughs> function so well. Like, and we're just replacing Henderson with Alan, and we know that Hend- Alan can can do the Henderson role more than adequately in in that midfield. I don't see why we should disrupt the create such a strong creative base that's done so well for us over the course of a season in a shape that we've done to accommodate a player who can't play at the same tempo that the other players can in those positions and given that our whole basis of that run that we've been on more or less has been built on such slick quick passing through the midfield and being able to move through transition so quickly why, why, why disrupt it why not just why not look to change something up front where you still have Sterling and Suarez and yeah. you know who even if they're out of form as you said even if they're out of form Suarez is still capable of, of coming up with magic Sterling has been coming up with magic in the absence of real magic <clears throat> from Suarez and Sturridge so all you're doing is replacing one part of that front line who may still come up with a goal or something for us right or even if you want bring in Teixeira bring in, bring in something don't be afraid like, we know that Brendan's not afraid of putting the kid because we, we go back to the full match away when he could have brought Aspas on he could have brought Mo, you know, somebody else in at that point but he, he gave it to Teixeira I'm just, I just don't see why we need to go and change a really good midfield setup to accommodate a player when we don't necessarily need to accommodate him I think, in a I game think if Rogers w- believed that he could do something like that he would have done it like the preparation the, the evidence was there against Norwich where you know Rogers has in his head Lucas playing against City you know what, what am I going to do And I mean Lucas didn't play well against Norwich and that was that was uh, every reason Rogers needed to leave Lucas out of the Chelsea game 
and look for something different, whether it's bringing texture in or whatever. But he just didn't feel. He obviously just didn't feel that he has that trust and faith in anything else that's in the squad. Mm. I mean, I think if he did, if he does have it, sure, he only made two subs yesterday. Mm. You know, if he ha- if he could trust, if he could trust the player to come in, I think he would have. Yeah. Yeah, well, he knows them better than we do. Yeah. You know what I mean? We, we're all dreaming that uh, he's some fucking quality, you know, to come in. Or we used to do it about Alberto before he got banned from driving. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's quite obvious that uh, Tex Ray has took his place on the bench what, in the Bre- second yeah, order. Brandon knows what's going on. Molly, um, what were you going to say on that? Yeah, no, I, I just said, look, between it's quite obvious really. Moses, Aspas, Lucas, Alberto, they're all shit basically. <laughs> It's just that Lucas is the less shit of all of them. Yeah, I think that's why he's going to get into that team. Yeah, but really, it, it goes on to another conversation, maybe for another day, regarding squad debt. If yeah. you look at it, we probably got thirteen players. That is all we have, and to show where we are, top of the table with thirteen players. What a remarkable achievement that is. Yeah, that's something you can't lose sight of, to be fair. Let's let's just move it sideways with yourself, Molly, and talk about uh, the team we're going to be facing at the weekend, um, Tony Pulis' team, uh, who have been of late pretty impressive until uh, the weekend there, where I think City were pretty ruthless, and I, I don't know, they looked like they could they could have even upped it. I think they just put them to bed. Um, what do we think uh, Palace are going to look like, considering they're safe, they've got nothing really to play for, um, does that come into Pulis' thinking? Is that something we can even factor into the way we approach it? And what do we have to worry about with them? Well, I don't think being safe would come into Pulis' thinking, but I wouldn't think he would come into the players' thinking. Uh, and they're going to be on holiday mode, no matter what Pulis is saying to them. Those lads are, look, they're safe. We're going to have to do buy for the summer type of a situation. Yeah. You know? So I, I, I wouldn't be, I'm, not, I'm not really not worried about the whole Palace situation. I think we'll set up like we've set up all season to, to go out there and blitz teams. I think that's what we look to do again. Like people are, are out there saying, oh, title's over and all that. I really don't see it that way. Like I, I remember a couple of months ago, it was Mourinho was interviewed when he was top to table. And he was saying, look, if City win all their games, they go top. Where now it's, it's your way around. We're top to table. And if City win all their games, fair enough, they're top. But we, what would you prefer? Would you prefer the points or would you prefer the games? I'd always take the points personally so I don't think this league is over and I certainly don't think the Liverpool players think this league is over Brendan Rodgers so I can see him going out there to Blitz Palace on Monday night Yeah, very interesting Dave, would you say that's the approach for us to take and more to the point what do you think we need to think about when it comes to Palace um, and, and, and uh, the way that they line up? Well, like City I think we have to start strong I yeah. think we have to you know I think for, for a whole manner of reasons an early goal would be would be really nice mm. you know and I think if we score an early goal we'll kick on I, I, I mean, I, I kind of, I haven't agreed with Molly much today, but I do agree with him on this. I do think that the players are going to be up for this. I think there's going to be a reaction. I think there has to be a reaction, you yeah. know, to to what's happened. And I think, in a way, a Palace team that are already safe, that have just been turned over by City, that are, you know, we score early, I think. And then I think goal difference, and I know, you know, it's a, it's a far-flung dream or whatever, but why couldn't we beat them 4-0 and then beat Newcastle 5-0? Newcastle two 0 down to Arsenal. Half it still wouldn't yeah. be enough. Yeah. <laughs> it was eight goals in it. But, it, yeah. it, 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 but then they have to score three to win one. Yeah, well, one they're not going to. Yeah, but so that's eleven, and then we have to make up. No, no, no. Hang on, they've only got one more game than us. So no, but they, they they'd win if you're going to finish on the same points 
and 86 points each, let's yeah. say, right? They have to win their last three games. Yeah. Well, okay, so they score one in each. So that's 11. So that's 11, so we need to. Oh, well, right, so we need to win six in a row. We went through it last night. We're like, what? It's, it's <laughs> it's well, six nil against Newcastle is not, unlike, it's not no. impossible. No. Six nil against Palace might be. This yeah, yeah, I mean, top, Palace have been, have been defensively sound, you know, especially of late. So I completely ruled that out. It's yeah. the, it, it really does come down to motivation now at this stage. Like, the fact that Newcastle are. Are down two 0 at half time to Arsenal. That probably means that Arsenal are four points ahead of Everton. You know when they when they play, it's it's a blessing that Arsenal don't play at three o'clock on Saturday, and Everton aren't going into that game no, against that, City yeah. knowing that they're they're finished. Yeah. Okay. So they can they have to be professional about it and think that this Champions League spot is still on. So it's all about the motivation. Palace have no motivation now. They had no motivation yesterday against them um, against City and they conceded early. Hmm. You know, if, if I was Rogers or any of the players every interview I did this week I'd be saying something like it's really disappointed to your Everton you know fan saying that they, they'd rather you know yeah. finish fin-. you know I, yeah. I, I would have expected you know, more he, out of them I would have expected them to be more professional as a club every press conference and every interview a Liverpool person is doing yeah. should be winding them up so that they go out there and go after well he's at, so, he's at something there with against Palace because he keeps mentioning that they're you know they've their preparation for Palace being yeah, good yeah. with Chelsea. I don't really know why he's doing that. It's cer- certainly a bit of reverse psychology. Or he's I di- think that's a dig of Mourinho more than a. Than yeah, but what, now now Pulis is something to really ride his yeah, team up. Like yeah. because oh, are we? Yeah, uh, we see now. And <laughs> that, that'll suit us down to the ground. Up yeah. if they he, he will, he will want them to come out with us. Um, well, can I? Can I? Can no, I, just, I mean, like, okay, fair enough. Like yeah. you know, we we we'll we, we'll uh, we'll show that you know we're we're more than that and. But that, like exactly can, that is what. But we they could sit back and play pretty, prettier <laughs> football than Chelsea did. You know, so I think it's it's given them a reason to fucking want to beat us. You the, know? Only, the only thing I'm saying is Pulis hates us. He's on record. I've seen the uh, there was ah, an inter- there's, there's an interview where he says he, he can't stand Liverpool. Yeah. So he's going to be well up for fucking doing us over, right? And and to be honest with you, I want them to come out and want to beat us. I don't want them to sit back and be, be happy to try and nick a point. Like, we want them. Like, Rogers is obviously trying to wind them up so that they, they come out fired up and try to take the game to us. Mm. Because then that gives us space to play in and play around. Yeah, I hope Rogers is nowhere near the, the, the shower afterwards if Tony's naked because he just. Head <laughs> butts all over the shop. He just, he just takes lads out. <laughs> okay, uh, I don't know about this, lads. We can talk around circles for ages, but we just get the predictions. What do you think? Let's just get the predictions because. Um, uh, we can we can go around in circles here. So, Molly, I'll come to you first. How do you think this is going to go at the weekend? A 4-0 win for us. Bloody brilliant. Andy? Um, yeah, look, it's it's obviously... It's it's felt like we've done a bit of a doom and gloom podcast here. Like, I mean, we really should, should be saying things like... <laughs> Uh, we're still in this title race, which we fucking very much are. I think we've acknowledged that we are. It's we, just, we've you, not, we've acknowledged it, too. but I mean, uh, like we have the points in the bag that they haven't. You know, yeah. there, there is a lot. There is a lot still to happen in three games. Palace ha- or uh, City haven't won five in a row too often mm. this year, so there is a slip up in order, and it could happen against Everton. And going into the game on Sunday, if that happens, well, then you're going to see a hugely motivated Liverpool. So depending on that result, a lot. You know, that's yeah. how I feel about yeah. how it would go. Now, I think if if Liverpool are given a reason, like Palace dropping points, or fucking, why do you keep calling City <laughs> dropping points, yeah. Yeah. I think we'll smash the fucking back axle off Palace. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, yeah. you know, because that's what the players need now is a lift and a good and a, a result to go our way. So, you know, if we go into the game kind of, ah, oh, bollocks, like, you know, 
City have just won yesterday, then you know it, it could be, be a, a cage. Could be a big cage but I think if uh, give Liverpool that carry again, and would smash them. So I actually think it's going to be a draw on Saturday evening with City and Everton. And I think we go out and we beat Palace very convincingly. Wow, OK. Um, Floody, what are you thinking? Straight off the top of your head, it, it does rely on what happens in the, the, the City yeah. game. Uh, stats I've seen today, I love my stats today. You're uh, loving uh, stats yeah, today. Yeah, yeah. are all going to love this one. He's that, 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 for a job on yeah. AI, that's what he's doing <laughs> after doing last week's free. Gags, Gags, are you listening? You're listening Gags. Hello, Gags. <laughs> <laughs> but here's one for you all, and you'll all love this one, that City have only won twice in 21 years at Everton. So did you another win? Yeah, did you another But that—that's the ninety-two and oh nine. Is their mm. only two wins? How have they done against Everton reserve teams? Because that's basically what they're playing. Well, Everton is always your reserve team. Everton, Everton, Colt, well with injuries this season. They always yeah. seem to have someone that's come in and performs. But again, like you know, that was when they had a bit to play for, and they've not been playing well lately. Mm. But you know. Everton at home. As you said, with them not knowing the Arsenal result because it's it's a later game or it's next day probably. Yeah, next that's day. They they have to go for it. Like, yeah, they, they can't just show up and say, oh, fuck well, it. It's a load of ball. I mean, oh, it all depends on that game. Yeah, it does. No, it, it depends. Yeah, but, but do you see a win one way or the other? Yeah, I, I think we can hit them four or five. Okay. Yeah, that's been okay. Nice. Dave Thomas. So to Andy's point, I think we'll win the league. And I said, I've said that all the way through the last few weeks. I still think we'll win the league. Um, I think, because I think we'll win it on goal difference, I think we'll win 6 0. <laughs> yeah, fucking hell that's magic that's magic yeah. I, I can't believe everyone's putting their faith in Andy Car- I, 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 putting their faith in everything and they're forgetting Andy Carroll's sitting there waiting to do us a favour Andy Carroll against Manchester he will, he will win yeah. that he could win it first so I, for, yeah. for, because I've got Andy Carroll in the back of my head a big smiley happy ponytail head in him <laughs> I think we're going to win. I think we'll win convincingly. Well, I tell you something about City's remaining fixtures. If I said it on Twitter today, if the situation was reversed and we had to win those three games, and City had our two games, and even though we had the goal difference, we'd be shooting ourselves right now. Fair point. I mean, Phil Casey, customary four 0 win to Palace. Thank God for that. Okay, right. Without any further ado, then let's move on to the mayhem that is the listeners' questions. And the first question is from Mark Simpson, um, who says. And we'll just take random shouts here. Uh, name your worst 11 from the Premiership this season. Aspas. <laughs> At one. Bloody game, uh, yeah. You have to start the goalkeeper. Go on then. Uh, shit. <laughs> 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 Fucking hell. Like, no, actually, literally. Literally, <laughs> literally shit. Uh, I can't think of any. Molly, Molly, give me a shout for some of the worst. Well, it's, it's, you're going to have eight Cardiff players, really. <laughs> <laughs> right, so eight Cardiff uh, players. Uh, Se- Secklenburg at Fulham was, has been pretty poor. Yeah, 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 I'll go yeah, with Secklenburg. Yeah. Okay, for a know? guy who was in, uh, Dutch number one, yeah. to be so poor is just... Yeah, that, do you know what? That's near enough a team, right? Next one. John Arnarisa at left full. Uh, you just going to name the whole full team. <laughs> Daniel Aga centre half. Oh, 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 Luca centre mid. Moving swiftly. Along. Christ alive. Tom Cleverly. Who's never playing for Liverpool again next Marouane, week? Marouane Fellini. Yeah. There's a lot of United players. There is, yeah. Deservedly in there. Managed by David Moyes. The man who managed to bring in a 51 point. What was a slip in points Moisey's in charge Molly I'll come to you for this where's the best and the worst place that you've ever taken a shit 
Well, the best place is probably in a forest where I was out camping. I felt like a beer, you know, it was really nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I don't know, if there, if, is there a bad place to take one? So I don't know about the worst place. There are, there are definitely bad places to, pl- to take one. I can add to this if I have to. Uh, anyone else got any shit? No, go on, Trev. <laughs> well, I found myself taking a bit short one time in a hot tub. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah. It's a floater. <laughs> it basically ended the night. <laughs> uh, yeah. People are so sensitive. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, your majesty. <laughs> I don't know. Did you not get a colander out? <laughs> no, I just stayed there. I was happy. Uh, <laughs> uh, what about what about anyone else? A, a Did go- it float or sink, or was it a ghost pill? If it was a ghost pill, you would have got away with it. <laughs> I mean, I mean, the Venetian Hotel in Las Vegas is pretty spectacular. Like, you know, they have spectacular toilets. Have you, have you actually, you've actually deposited something? I did there? the whole strip, you know, the Venetian, then the Bellagio, then the MJ. Yeah, <laughs> yeah what, did you have a dose of the shots? Just shit <laughs> oh, it's brilliant. Uh, flash shitting, that's good. Uh, next one's um, from Neil Poole. And he wonders, because he, he was his, uh, his wonderful publication at the weekend, what's the best cure for a sunburned head? Now, I seem to be the only qualified person to talk about this in the fucking room. But does anyone have any hi- hints for Neil? Natural yoghurt. Mm. Oh, yeah. Yep. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Natural yoghurt or egg whites. So all that, all that sun cream bollocks. Ah, yeah. No? Natural yoghurt. Okay, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> what so we you know what Trev's doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by Yoplay. <laughs> I'm, I'm leaving the shaving home tonight, love. I'm uh, putting the yogurt on. The yogurt. <laughs> <laughs> are you, you going to finish that? Are you going to finish that? Are you going to finish that? Right, next one. That's more rice. <laughs> next. <laughs> uh, quick one from uh, Pete. Um, he wants to know, this is vaguely football related, but we'll chat about it anyway. I think we did this before. Let's do it again. What's your favourite ever LFC away kit? Bloody. It's the I don't actually think it was the away kit, I think it was the tour kit. It was the eighty six white one. Yeah, that was it. It was a white yeah. one. Um, or, or the I think the eighty four oh, yellow the, one. The yeah. eighty four yellow one was, was yeah. sweet as well. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, did you remember the white one that had the just the three little strips on the shoulder? Class. It was the tour kit, actually. I think it was eighty six, eighty seven, had it, the crown paint on the front. That's right. It was a, it was a tour I think when you wore it once. But they were beaten wearing it in the Little Woods Cup final. Though. I think, and they used yeah, to wear, yeah, uh, they yeah, used to wear right. black shorts with it when black they played against Leeds. That's, that's yeah. right, yeah. Black shorts and pitch. The grey flecky one's not bad either with the red car, uh, yeah. red crown. What did you think the reproduction of that from a few years back? Did you were you having that uh, when Adidas brought out the original? Yeah, yeah. No, no, it was it was actually our second kit. The, the, the Man United away victory. Oh, no, no, I mean, that you weren't was, having that. Was that. No reproduction. No, no, it wasn't really, was no, it? But it was, it was no. inspired by it, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Asher, like, look at the Warrior stuff that's supposed to be inspired. Fucking inspired, yeah. I mean, what's, what? This latest red one is supposed to be inspired. Oh, we worked that out. It looks nothing. It's, like inspired, it's inspired by the Middlesbrough 0203 <laughs> kit. Oh, dear. It's, uh, it's, it's worn by Stuart, Stuart Downing in his debut I, I, season. I'm, really, I'm struggling with this with this Liverborough kit. I really yeah, am. I'm yeah. struggling I, with it. I actually thought it was all right when I first seen it. It's very unnatural shape looking. Yeah, doesn't it? But it's the kit of the League Champions, lads. Yeah. What's it going to look like with the fucking Premier League Champions badges on it? Look great, look great. It'll look lovely with the five little blue European come on the sleeve as well. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And everything behind it, the talent, and the Simpsons just way out there. Simpsons for you. Molly, would you uh, give me a a, a choice here? Lucy is wondering whether you'd like to go skydiving, parachuting, or potholing. Which would it be for you? 
Oh, but it wouldn't be skydiving or parachuting because, as I explained before, I knock rate on planes or heights. So I like being snug in a little hole. So that whole pothole is... <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Dave, if you had to choose one, which one would you go for? Uh, I I don't particularly like flying either, so probably. But then the idea of... I don't want to do any of them. So if I actually had to, I'd go cave in, I suppose. You know those yeah. flying suits that make you look like one of those flying squirrels? Oh, with the yeah, the, the yes, yes, I know what you're saying. The ones where they jump off the side of a cliff and then they fly. That's fucking magic. I won't do that. There you go. But that yeah, that, who tested that suit? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Squirrel. Go ahead, it'll be grand. It'll be fucking grand. Yeah, yeah, that'll that'll hold. You really look like Batman. Really, you can actually fly in the suit, can we? Self. Last one is from Joe, and Joe wonders. What will happen if Lee Catamol ever allows his shorts to drop below his armpits? <laughs> Have you seen this fucker mm. in his kit? What is the story with Lee Catamol? What is he thinking? Don't know. He's like Humphrey fucking Bogart or I something. Think he must have an exceptionally short torso. So, so he decides to emphasise it by pulling his shorts up even further. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> he pulls them down, he'd be mooning at you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I see what you're saying, right? He's covering his arse. Oh, yeah, let's go with that. Finally, then some admin. Get on to our lovely, shiny, content-laden website um, at the ridiculously easy to remember www.lfcdaytrippers.com, and it features currently a weird two-headed hydra of a Chelsea match review by myself and Phil, which we'd like you to read. The five times tickets are still available, so get on them. It's going to be a great night, regardless of what happens over the next couple of weeks. Thanks, as always, to Johnny Rep for our intro music, and don't forget the joint AI Day Tripper event, Carnage at the Harry, between two thirty and seven thirty on May the eleventh. It's free. First come, first served. We'd love to see lots of you there. Finally, your day trippers tonight were Molly and the young Damien Flood, Phil Casey and myself, Trev Downey and Dave Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> like Space Police sounds more convincing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. R.I.P.D. Yeah. <laughs> you see that film, R.I.P.D.? That's what he is. <laughs> Space Police. <please>. Uh, <laughs> Spicy barbecue sauce on a Kaiser bun. Have a cowboy kind of day at a rose in the way you're going wrong. Hey, yeah. DoorDash and Uber Eats available at participating restaurants. All this week on NBC4, new products to new technology. Susan Hogan is showing you how local restaurants are changing the way we dine in and take out in this new world. Tonight at 6. A new twist on outdoor eating. A lot of it is creating flexibility. How one local restaurant is making their outdoor space mobile, giving you plenty of sunshine and social distance for a stress-free meal. It's all part of restaurant revitalization. Tonight at 6 on NBC4, working for you. Sports Social Podcast Network.